Pushkin. I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tight Knit Brewing. They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, producer Kate, what's the story of the week? Hi, Joel. This week's story of the week is Saturday Morning with the Park Slope Panthers by Esther Wong from Hellgate. When I first looked through posts on the app next door, I knew I had a mission. It was to keep my lovely wife, Cassandra, from ever seeing it. Nextdoor is this app that allows neighbors to post about whatever they want. And what they want to post about is their deep suspicion of crimes being committed in their neighborhood. And these are often crimes that I've never even heard of. Lurking, light bulb stealing, coating mailbox flaps with glue, and asking for jumper cables, but not actually having a car. Three months later, of course, Cassandra had found out about Nextdoor. She very quickly started expressing her lack of faith in the police. We would take these walks around our neighborhood and she would point to each house and declare either that's a secure home or that is not a secure home. And uh, as I feared, ours was not a secure home. Then, just a few months after she first saw next door, I was walking one night, and yes, it was to get my steps in. I was almost home when this guy kind of pops out of nowhere and asks me if I want a party. And I shake my head no, because I do not want a party. And I just kept walking home, and a few blocks later I got there and opened my garage door, and then I turned around, and the party guy was there, like a foot behind me. So I grab this broom, and he backs up, possibly threatened by my weapon, but more likely thinking I was holding it because I was into something kinkier than his idea of partying. So he left and I just sat down and tried to calm down. I went back into the house and I had to decide whether to tell Cassandra about this or not. And eventually I decided I had to because otherwise she'd probably read about it from the party guy's post on next door. The drama that I experienced played out even more ludicrously in Park Slope, Brooklyn 
which is the Brooklyn of Brooklyn. And Esther Wong saw it all happen when she went to this tiny neighborhood meeting that kept getting more and more bizarre. Writing is hard, who's got that kind of time? When you're already busy trying to be Joe Stein. So he turns on a mic, maybe twiddles a knob, calls a journalist friend who's got an actual job. Auditory, single story, just listen to smart people speak. Conversation filled with information, it's the story of the Esther Wong lives with her dog in Brooklyn, and her story begins with a crime that happened not that far from her apartment. Esther Wong, thank you for doing this today. I uh, love your story and desperately want to understand what the hell happened here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. So just to share what happened in August, Jessica, who's a professional beekeeper, I think. A professional beekeeper? Is that that? I've never lived in Brooklyn. That's maybe the number one job in Brooklyn? Yeah, I would say about one in every five people you ask them. Is a professional beekeeper. Yeah, exactly. So she lives in the neighborhood. She regularly walked her dog, Moose, through the neighborhood. One morning in August, she was taking her dog on a walk, her typical daily walk, when she was attacked by a man in the park who, according to the NYPD, according to people in the neighborhood... He's kind of an unknown person in the park, you know, possibly with mental illness, possibly homeless. He regularly carries a stick. Apparently, he, he tried to hit her with a stick. He hit Moose, her dog, with a stick, sprayed them with urine that apparently he was carrying in a bottle. That, that's a sign of mental illness, not to judge. Yeah. I, when you, you car- I mean, carry around urine. I think that's fair. I think that's fair to say, right? Unless you're hunting in the woods. It seems like an <laughs> odd thing to do. I mean, Prospect Park is is a rather large urban park, so who knows? But Jessica was able to escape. Apparently that day, she noticed her dog Moose was injured. He was bleeding from his mouth. She took him to the vet. I think they took out a tooth. Everything seemed fine. And then a few days later, she noticed he was not doing okay. Took him back to the vet. It turns out during the attack when the man hit her dog with a stick, something had happened internally and he had sepsis and her dog Moose died. The incident, which involved a black, apparently mentally ill homeless man and a 40-year-old liberal white woman who volunteered to help the homeless, was like a fable for the political conflicts in our cities right now. It's one thing to vote for liberal candidates and give to liberal causes, but What happens when it affects you directly, when it's you and your dog who are attacked by the group that you want to help? How do your beliefs hold up then? You can see why this got a lot of people's attention. It ticked all the boxes. The fact that it happened in Prospect Park, right next to the neighborhood Park Slope. It's, you know, very brownstone Brooklyn, very nice homes, but also home to places like the Park Slope Food Co-op. So the neighborhood kind of has this reputation of, I think it'd be fair to say, kind of like maybe not limousine liberals, right? But certainly, you know, champagne liberals, uh, wealthier people who like to pride themselves on their progressive values. So 
Moose dies a tragic death. And then the story gets shared quite a bit on on Nextdoor, in Facebook groups, and people are outraged. So how did the story divide people? Like, what are the two camps? I would say one camp was we need more cops and we need the cops to do their job. Their job is to apprehend this man and he should be locked up. I would say the other camp was, you know, arresting this guy is not going to change anything. What he needs is support. He needs housing. He needs social services. That's what he needs. And that's what we should be pushing for. Okay, so this guy, Christian Namick, he's on next door and he decides to create a neighborhood watch group to try and address this very problem. So Christian, he's an interesting guy. You know, you go to his next door profile and, you know, he is this older white guy. You know, he lists his progressive affiliations like Black Lives Matter, his support for the LGBT community. He himself is gay. He's an environmentalist, right? So to see him being the one pitching this idea of a neighborhood watch and not just a neighborhood watch, but named the Park Slope Panthers of all names. Okay, so I can't believe he names this thing the Park Slope Panthers. Like he does it because there are these two panther statues that walk you into the park. But I mean, he's got to know people are going to think about the Black Panthers, right? Like to introduce that into this already racially charged issue seems insane. Uh, I don't want to speak for Christian, but just based on what he wrote in his mind, it seemed there was no connection between operating a neighborhood watch group and the the connotation of naming the group the Park Slope Panthers, even though quite a few people, you know, brought up like, hey, maybe this isn't the greatest look. <laughs> yeah. So what does Christian propose? Like, what's the purpose of the Park Slope Panthers? So he, in the, the next door post, he wrote, do we want to organize a community safety patrol and take our park back? And then he referenced, Ooh. right, so that language already to kind of a casual observer, right, might be like, huh, interesting. Okay, what are you trying to do here, right? Right, because the way you hear that phrase is normally mm-hmm. take our country back. It's usually a very xenophobic right. phrase. So that's a weird thing for this guy who's, Very liberal, and it's surprising language. He must know that. Yeah, he's a fascinating person. And then he referenced the Guardian Angels, and he wrote, Think what the Guardian Angels did to take back the subways in the 70s, early 80s. We may also get to wear cool berets. So I remember the Guardian Angels from going to New York City when I was a kid. And they were this neighborhood watch group that would like, they wore berets and these satin jackets with their names on them. They looked like somewhere between like a retirement community and the French Foreign Legion. <laughs> and they would stand around on subway platforms and look kind of threatening. And, and they were empowered to make citizens arrests. And they were started by this guy, Curtis Sliwa, yeah. who then in 2021 is the GOP nominee for the mayor of New York City. So... It's kind of a weird thing for Christian, who's this like ultra progressive guy to bring up right now. It's a curious thing to bring up. And he organizes this group. He puts out a call for an open meeting, a public meeting for the Parksville Panthers. So he posts that there's going to be a meeting on, I assume, Nextdoor or Facebook. And, And as soon as he does, the reactions are incredible. Someone bought the domain Parksville Panthers dot com. 
and you go to the site and it's literally just a landing page with a message that's basically, it basically says Prospect Park doesn't need your racist BS. Thanks. (laughs) Right. And then it became a big enough deal where this guy Christian gets invited on the Tucker Carlson show. Yes. It turns out he declined that invitation. But that does give you a sense, right, of of how the story had been spread and how people were seeing it. And Curtis Sliwa wanted to come to the meeting. Curtis Sliwa also wanted to attend. And Christian said no to that, too. And Christian said no to that as well. So this meeting is held during the day in the park? Or what does it look like there? It was a weekend morning in the park. It was a beautiful day. I get to the park and it's Christian. He has a stack of yellow T-shirts that he had printed out that said Parksville Panthers that he was going to give out to the first 10 people who were there. And Oh, he made t-shirts. He did. He did. Yeah, he was very committed. He was very committed. That's a first step, I think, in securing your neighborhood. Yeah. The turnout for the meeting wasn't high. I would say it was about 10 people total. Not that long into this tiny meeting, some protesters who are going to protest this group that's barely been going for a few minutes show up. And what were those people like? Sure. This is the moment when I went, oh, this meeting is a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. (laughs) I think everyone sitting there thought that at this moment. Right, right. right. So just to kind of like lay, like set, set the scene a little bit, right? So at this point, we're all kind of sitting in a circle on the ground in the park. This young woman came who announced herself as Susie. And that she was also a journalist. And I was like, oh, that's that's Barry Weiss's sister, Susie Weiss, who writes for her publication. Oh wow. So that was the first that was the first moment where I was like, oh, this is interesting. Okay, for those of you without a culture wars dictionary, uh, Barry Weiss was a New York Times columnist who was run out by her colleagues for her anti-woke politics. Like she is a Democrat, but she's kind of like a female Bill Maher. And her sister who also writes a column on Substack, uh, was there. I think it was actually as she was introducing herself or shortly after that the really interesting thing part of the meeting happened, which was this group of four young people and their names, I'm fairly certain, certain were all pseudonyms because it was things like Sky and Leaf, you know, all very... <laughs> But but again, this is Brooklyn. Their parents, these are young people. Their parents could have actually right, named them Right, right. Apple, right. Fame. Exactly. Easily. Easily. Yeah. yeah. Stick. Who knows? But... <laughs> this may be a record for how quickly a group has been protested because people haven't even introduced themselves and they already have a protest group against them. And the, these Sky and Leaf and the other two have brought a speaker with them so, so they could blast EDM <laughs> and drown out this meeting, right? So the one, the one who brought the speaker, um, their name was Snow. Um, Sorry, Snow. <laughs> I know. It's hard to keep track. And they stroll up and announce to the group that they, and I'm kind of paraphrasing what, what they're saying at this point, they announced to the group that they are really not okay with what the Park Slope Panthers are doing and that they were there to perform an intervention. And... Their position was, this is racist. You, y'all just want more cops when what this guy needs and what we should all be doing 
is mutual aid. Mutual aid is what will keep us safe. Not more police. They were talking about things like, you know, we should get to know our, our homeless neighbors. We should get to know each other. You know, we should hand out water to people. So how does Christian handle this interruption? It was interesting. So at first he, I think he reacted like probably a lot of people would react, which would be like, what are y'all doing here? I don't want you here. Go away. Right. But then he kind of had a little bit of an about face and actually changed tactics and then decided to, to invite the four into the meeting. And then the four came back and they announced, we're going to sit down. We'll take part. And so they sat down. And then for the next hour, there was just a lot of back and forth about what public safety meant, the role of the NYPD, what community residents should be doing to actually promote safety. Basically, a next door conversation, but in real life. Oh, that sounds awful. (laughs) But at some point, in order to bond this whole group together, Christian says that uh, he hates Curtis Lewa and this is and he would never try and copy what Curtis Lewa did with the Guardian Angels. At, at which point the most amazing part happens, which is what? That was the moment when a woman who had come a little bit later and had kind of just been standing on the outskirts, she kind of just got a little huffy, went up to Christian, told him, I'm Nancy Sliwa, Curtis's wife. And then just kind of stalked off in her, like, camo print yoga pants. <laughs> oh. Never to be seen again. Is that your favorite part? You know, there were so many parts of this meeting where, you know, I was writing in my little reporter's notebook and literally just went, what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's Curtis Lee's fourth wife. I think she owns, like, 28 cats. She's an yeah, animal lover. She's She's a deep animal lover, yes. Yeah, and they live in some tiny apartment. Full of cats. This was her sweet spot, right? You have a vigilante group protecting animals. Oh, my God. That mentioned the guardian angels in their their invite. Seems like if if she's not welcome there, ugh. Yeah, I mean, you know, much to her chagrin, and I'm sure her surprise. (laughs) She's the victim. I did kind of, I was like, this is like some sort of like weird cosmic juju that's happening right now. I don't know what's going on, (laughs) but I'm just going to roll with it. How crazy will this meeting get? Will they write a protest song? Will Rudy Giuliani come by in a 12-speed Schwinn? But first, our sponsors have some delightful products to sell you. And if it's not kombucha, then their algorithm totally sucks. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, 
Make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile App is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. Member FDIC. Copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Hi, I'm Jessica St. Clair, but you can call me Jess if you're nasty. And I'm Dame Casey Wilson. We are actors, comedians, and podcasters. But above all else, we are self-appointed masters of small talk. We have written a soon-to-be Nobel Prize-winning audiobook that will shortly change the course of history called The Art of Small Talk. Now, it's no secret that, that some people don't like small talk. Don't like it. Casey, everybody hates it. Except for us. We love to chit-chat bullshit, and that's why we wrote this book. Well, it's an audiobook. You're welcome. Who has the time to read? Not me. There will be research, but not too much, because what is this, a book report? We'll also hear from learned scholars like Malcolm Gladwell and from the most important people in the world, celebs like Amy Poehler, Tony Hale, June Diane Raphael, and Colin Quinn. You can grab your copy of The Art of Small Talk today at pushkin.fm slash smalltalk or wherever you get your audiobooks. Don't forget, you can listen with your Audible and Spotify memberships too. The Art of Small Talk. How to go shallow to go deep. The first meeting of the Park Slope Panthers ends exactly how you expect it would. The meeting ended like a lot of these meetings end, which is to say someone proposed the creation of a Google Doc. Everyone agreed and then went their merry ways, right? So did the group decide what they wanted? Like, did they want more cops? Did they want more social services? Were they going to go out and patrol the park? Like, did they make decisions like that? Or just yeah, the Google nothing Doc? concrete. Nothing concrete was decided. Um, the Google Doc was to kind of come up with like a mission statement. Don't you feel if these were Republicans, they would have already like gotten guns and been in the park by the end of this meeting? <laughs> They're going to create a Google Doc and a mission statement. It's never going to happen. I will say, you know, my my takeaway from kind of the conversation, though, which I thought was really interesting was that the young people who came to interrupt the meeting obviously didn't think, you know, more cops was the solution. And then everyone else also expressed a lot of hesitancy around or questions around, you know, what can the NYPD even do? Are they even capable of doing anything in this situation? What's the other option? I think that's the question that a lot of people were grappling with, you know, when we when people were talking about, can we divert money from police departments towards things like social services, affordable housing, you know, supports for homeless people, supports for homeless families. But I think that's the big question, right? Like, what can we do? And I think that's the struggle, right? Like, nothing that we kind of, like, have at hand in the moment feels enough 
And this is what I find really interesting and, and telling is that Jessica Krustick, Moose's... This is the woman whose dog was Moose, who was, mm-hmm. who was attacked. You know, she has kind of taken it upon herself to, you know, try and mount this claim for accountability. And it seems pretty clear her goal is to have the NYPD arrest this man. Jessica was instructed by the police to try and ID her attacker and then call 911 as soon as she could so she could press charges. So one day a friend woke her up with a call saying that she saw her attacker in the park and Jessica called 911, got dressed and started following him in the darkness before sunrise. And as she was following him for what turned out to be 15 minutes waiting for the cops to arrive, the guy noticed her and turned around and came after her. So Jessica took out her pepper spray, but it turns out that the guy also carries pepper spray and he took his out while he was starting to chase her. No one winds up managing to pepper spray the other and eventually Jessica runs by a police car that's parked and she tries to get them to roll down their window, but they just wave her away. And then finally, after 40 minutes, cops come by and by then, she had gotten away from the guy and they were unable to find him. Police have since apologized for this. Okay, after your article comes out, Christian is a little probably shaken up from what's happened. And then someone spray paints the sidewalk outside of his apartment building with the message, don't be a cop, Chris. Did that freak him out? From what I could tell, you know, he was very upset by it. I think that was one thing that might have possibly played a role in his decision to terminate the Parks La Panthers. So since that meeting, Christian announced the Parks La Panthers were no more. That was it? That's the whole Parks La Panthers? That was it, yeah. The the rise, the rise and fall. Imagine what those t-shirts are worth now. (laughs) I know, I should have snagged one. Totally. What was the response like when the article came out? The response was interesting, right? I think a lot of people were like, this is the most Park Slope story ever, right? I think it's the most uh, explain the problems in the Democratic Party story ever. Yeah, I think that's definitely one way to look at it, right? But I think the response really depended on kind of where the reader was politically, right? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a Rorschach test, but people took out of the story like what they felt would kind of justify or support their pre-existing beliefs. Where am I on the political spectrum if I found every single person in this story hysterical? <laughs> I mean, you would be on the correct side of the political <laughs> spectrum because I, I do agree with you, right? I certainly had that reaction too when I was there in the meeting. And then I think like taking a step back, you know, I think... The interpretation I ultimately took away is that everybody there, like, did want the same things, right? You know, uh, I'm so grateful that you wrote this story so I could uh, experience it without actually having to go. So thank you. Esther Wong is a writer in New York City. You can read her article Saturday morning with the Park Slope Panthers on Hellgate. Thank you so much for explaining this all to me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. We are so torn over societal changes that our entire life is being filtered by politics. Even dog murder. Every incident becomes a cable news circus and there are so many clowns that minor woke and anti-woke celebrities show up at our park get-togethers. 
So now we have a homeless man without social services who's in danger of going to Rikers Island, which is a jail notorious for its abuse of mentally ill people. And we also have a woman who lost her dog and is now afraid of walking around her neighborhood. After I finished my interview with Esther, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, announced that cops and EMTs will now involuntarily put homeless people in hospitals if they seem like a danger, even if that danger is just to themselves. Homeless advocates are infuriated. I'm not sure what the solutions are, except to avoid people who are sure what the solutions are, even if they're giving out cool t-shirts. At the end of the show, what's next for Joel Stein? Maybe he'll take a nap or poke around online. Our show today was produced by Kate McAuliffe and Nisha Venkut. It was edited by Robert Smith. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wang. And our executive producer is Catherine Girardot. And our theme song was written and performed by Jonathan Colton. And a special thanks to my voice coach, Vicki Merrick, and my consulting producer, Lauren Zelaznik. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Joel Stein, and this is Story of the Week. The one who brought the speaker, their name was Snow. This is not the Canadian rapper Snow. Uh, no, of Licky no, Boom Boom not. Down. Oh, <laughs> that would have made this. I, anything could happen in this story. I would totally believe Any, that. Anything could happen in this story. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Jessica St. Clair, but you can call me Jess if you're nasty. And I'm Dame Casey Wilson. We are actors, comedians, and podcasters. But above all else, we are self-appointed masters of small talk. We have written a soon-to-be Nobel Prize-winning audiobook that will shortly change the course of history called The Art of Small Talk. Now, it's no secret that, that some people don't like small talk. Don't like it. Casey, everybody hates it. Except for us. We love to chit-chat bullshit, and that's why we wrote this book. Well, it's an audiobook. You're welcome. Who has the time to read? Not me. There will be research, but not too much, because what is this, a book report? We'll also hear from learned scholars like Malcolm Gladwell and from the most important people in the world, celebs like Amy Poehler, Tony Hale, June Diane Raphael, and Colin Quinn. You can grab your copy of The Art of Small Talk today at pushkin.fm slash smalltalk or wherever you get your audiobooks. Don't forget, you can listen with your Audible and Spotify memberships too. The Art of Small Talk. How to go shallow to go deep. 